KP, KPC, News, Information, Culture, KPCC, California Sensibility. Hi, I'm Amy Choi. And I'm Rebecca Lair. And this is the Mashup Americans. The Mashup Americanos. See, sí, Amy, today I want to talk <laughs> to you about something you might be hearing a lot of in 2016. Muchas gracias. Mi español es muy peor. <laughs> Pero um, yo trato uh, mejor. <laughs> Hacer mejor. Bernie Sanders hablas español. <laughs> Bernie Sanders, he speaks a little. <laughs> he speaks a little Spanish. It's pretty bad Spanish, but you might like to know that actually Hillary never speaks Spanish in public. And on the Republican side this year, it's there's amazing Spanish speakers, actually. Well, yeah. I mean, well, so there's Jeb Bush, who is married to a Mexican woman and taught himself Spanish. He speaks excellently. And Marco Rubio obviously speaks fluently. And then even Rand Paul, who's from Houston, speaks a little Tex-Mex Houstonian Spanglish. <laughs> so, por favor, disculpen mi español. Como crecí en Houston, es un poco Spanglish. Un poco Tex-Mex. That's about all I can do, sorry. But speaking of Spanglish, I speak Spanglish in my house all the time. Well, you know, Gabriel is Latino, and I speak better Spanish than Korean, which uh, uh, we can talk about that some other time. Yeah, filed under guilt. <laughs> guilt, second, tenth, millionth podcast episode that we can do on that. Well, so we speak Spanish in our house because we are really trying to raise our two kids as Spanish speakers and to be bilingual, hopefully trilingual someday. Um, but does this mean that with all the Spanglish we got that my baby could be president? Uh, you mean Señor Calabacín? Yeah. He could, well, also <laughs> because he's American. And so well, we have another that's also thir- true. 33 years for him to become the right, presidente. So <laughs> he's two and a half, Señor Pumpkin. Um, well, I mean, the most used phrases in our house right now are, you have to aguar out of those toys and don't forget to quita los zapatos, which is basically put away your toys and take off your shoes. Right. So you're very, <laughs> also very bossy. Muy bossy. So, so. <laughs> well, you you definitely aren't the only ones. There have never been this many people in the U.S. who go home and speak Spanish. There are almost 36 million of them slash us. And so there's about 320 million people in America, which means one out of every 10 people, when they go home, are looking for leche, not milk. They're talking to their niños about aguardaring sus toys. You know, all of that. You're not the only ones. Well, I hope not, because I hope everybody is talking to their niños about aguardaring sus toys and then giving them easy crema. At the end of the day. Easy crema? What's easy crema? <laughs> easy crema is obviously Spanglish for ice cream. Yes. I, I think that, you know, we Natural. could say helado, but that's just not that fun. No. Easy crema. Easy crema is much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's lots of really interesting wrinkles in these numbers, which we got from Pew and the census. Among the many interesting trends is that a lot more Latinos are using English, in part because more Latinos are born in the U.S. And since our country is this big old mashup of English and Spanish, I want to talk to the world's expert in Spanglish, Ilan Stavans. Ilan Stavans, I can't wait. Ilan Stavans, you are our guest today, so please introduce yourself. 
mi nombre es Ilan Stavans, Ijreda Yiddish, Beanib Medaveri Brit, I often use English, pero me gusta mixing the ganze megile and uh, engage with people at different levels depending on the circumstance and often eh, me gusta romper fronteras o, o desafiar and, uh, and be challenged and challenging with my language. Can you tell me a little bit about how you mash up? I am originally from Mexico. I have uh, been in the United States where I came as an immigrant uh, from the 1980s on. I am a writer and a translator and an essayist and a publisher and uh, have a uh, passion for language, for how language changes, for different types of languages, for the evolution of a language as connected with the, with the ideas that we have about nation and about uh, religion and about uh, society in general. So I'm interested in how words are time capsules that tell us a lot about where we've been, who we are, where we're going. Well, that's actually one of the main principles of what we're talking about with the Mashup Americans. It's, it's wonderful to hear you talk about it. And if we narrow in a little bit on Spanglish, which I like to say is my best language, um, how, how would you define it? I would say that Spanglish is both the marriage and the divorce, not only of two languages, two standardized languages, English and Spanish, or Spanglish and Spanish and English, but also of two civilizations, of the Anglo civilization, the English language a culture that came from England and spread through imperial efforts throughout the world, mm-hmm. and Spanish from Spain, and, and they didn't exactly the same a maneuver. The result is a new language. The result is not an in-between. It's not as if we are uh, in the middle uh, somewhere between Spanish and English. We have uh, created something altogether new. I think it's the the mestizaje, the, the hybrid uh, mix element of Latin American culture that is very much a part of this. And uh, it is announcing not only a new way of talking, but a new way of thinking and a new way of being. And as a result, an entirely new civilization that is part this and part that, part Anglo, part Hispanic, but it's it's uh, altogether fresh and, uh, and uh, new. Right. And who speaks Spanglish in America? Well, Spanglish is not only spoken in America. Spanglish is spoken the world over by people in Latin America, in Spain, who, by all sorts of, because of all sorts of reasons that have to do with work, that have to do with entertainment, that have to do with travel, need to mix, to to juxtapose Spanish and English. But of course, the main center is the United States, where we are between 50 and 60 million Latinos. Mm. This is a, a huge a population. It's 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 a larger number than the population of of Spain, the population of of Argentina. Um, it is it is a new nation within the nation, the United States uh, of Latinos. You could describe them, and uh, and it is also a language that allows us to communicate with other immigrant groups and with the mainstream in general. So I I would say that Spanglish is used. In, in all sorts of spheres, in television, in radio, in music. Music is at the 
vanguard of what Spanglish is all about, in education, in the classroom, in on the street, in restaurants, in in, in labor spaces, and it is it used to be seen, it used to be looked down at illegitimate, mm, untrustworthy, yeah. and um, it is now something hip and cool and attractive. Yeah. And what sort of your favorite Spanglish word or phrase you find yourself the most commonly using? I I have many. I, I am often asked that question, and I have many. I love words like watchale, <laughs> which is a, which means a watch out or or <laughs> take care or pay attention, depending on the context that you're in. I I love the I love words that are that are in Spanglish, but can be also put in the context of how Spanish uh, gets transformed, like aplicación for the, what you do when you apply to the university or to a college, when in fact you're using words like in Spanish is inscribirse or suscribirse a una revista, parquear. I love words like marqueta, eh, laborar or laburar, eh, rufo, liquear, migra. When I think about it and the way you're describing it, that there are different pieces of Spanglish. There are English words that become Spanishized, if that's mm-hmm. the right way to frame it. There's a combination, you know, when you were first speaking, um, a sentence that is, you know, in Espanol y en, in English. So you mm-hmm. sort of mixing, quote unquote, proper Spanish or proper English in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. And then my understanding is there's also something called calques, if that's the right way to describe it, which mm-hmm. are a word-for-word translation from one language to another. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 interested in kind of the mix of those. And if you found if um, there are words that are more likely to be, uh, if I'm speaking Spanglish, then I'm more likely to use in Spanish in a sentence mm-hmm. than I would then to use the English version. Spanglish can be understood or can be appreciated uh, by recognizing three different uh, strategies that a speaker or a listener will have. One of the strategies is code switching, what what the sociolinguists uh, describe as the coming and going between one language and the other. Um, this is usually done in a single sentence or sometimes, as I was saying at the beginning, to a sentence in English and a sentence in Spanish. This results when, when languages live in contact, uh, like in the major urban centers of the United States where you have populations that speak Spanish and populations that speak English. And then you have people that have to navigate those two realms. So uh, an, a natural way would be to empezar una frase in English and switch a la otra back and de regreso dependiendo de la the circumstance in which you are. And no two code switchers will code switch hmm. in the exact same way. You, right. One can start in Spanish, the other one will start in English. The key to the success is that the listener the person who's interacting with the speaker will be able to understand that code switching in the same way and not get lost. There are words that the code switchers have created as a middle ground that no longer belong to either Spanish or English. And that was what the dictionary that I was trying to put together, that I did put together, was all about all about, about 60, 6,000 words that are, that are like, like carpeta, 
Carpeta in a Spanish dictionary will be like the book you use, the notebook you use for school. But in the Spanglish dictionary, it will be a carpet or liquear or the ones that we've been talking about. But there's another strategy too. And the third strategy is to think in one language and to communicate in the other. You mm. don't have to use English in Spanish to be speaking in Spanglish. Right. You have to be thinking in English and communicating in, Span in Spanish. And that means that you're using certain formations or certain patterns of a language that are not often, that are not used in the other. For instance, today it has become quite common to say que tenga buen día. But the truth is that in Spanish we say buenos días, o que la pase bien, yeah. okay, okay. But when you say que tenga buen día, the truth is you spend enough time in the United States to be translating from English into Spanish, have a good day. And in somebody from the Spanish-speaking world will feel that there's something awkward when you're doing that, that you have you don't quite belong to the Spanish-speaking world. So that is the the kind of simultaneous translation that plays with with the with the fact that you exist in another reality. You're thinking in a different way. Coming up, we'll hear more from Milan Stevans, including an amazing story about how he turned Sabado Gigante, the crazy late night show, into a laboratory for language experiments. And if you're liking this podcast, we have one quick thing to ask you. Please go to iTunes or your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star rating. We are basically brand new, and your love helps us spread the love to new listeners. Thanks. So if I'm looking for a tablecloth in my house, the first thing I always say to my mainly English-speaking husband, is, honey, where's the mantel? I, I actually cannot summon the word in English for this very normal thing. Like, I can, something about it. What, what's going on there? <laughs> well, what's going on there is that we use language depending on our immediate environment and how that environment, the environment can be just the house where you are with your husband or the way that that particular word has been used by your mother and by your grandmother and has been applied to a particular to a way of looking nostalgically at artifacts mm. that come from your past. The impact that the media has on us defines often how we use certain words. Speaking of calques, it's um, one of my aunts does this, you know, because especially in El Salvador, there's a lot of um, making diminutives, right? Mm -hmm. And so she said, un cigarito. <laughs> but then in English, she'll be like, I'm just going to have a little cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is never that little, right? <laughs> it took me a long time to figure out that it was just a translation from the Spanish. But of course, this also has a, a kind of culturally and politically charged element because in Spanish we can use diminutives for aspects of our culture that we don't feel are offensive. For instance, la gordita or el negrito or el chinito to describe somebody from China or somebody from Africa or somebody who is who is a large. But then when we translate that into English, it becomes a politically charged, particularly in a politically correct environment like we've been living in. And that is something that in Spanglish can become explosive. You know, as we see more awareness and fluency in Spanish nationwide, right, and uh, going around the world, how do you see um, this evolving? How do you see, um, have you seen any major changes in the, the last, you know, 
five years. I have seen substantial changes, and I am very happy with those changes because they are proof that uh, the language police cannot uh, cannot control this most free and in uh, the uh, you know democratic of uh, of expressions which is the way we engage with one another through words um when I first arrived to the United States in the 1980s, the feeling was that even the word Spanglish denoted a lack of education, uh, a resistance right. to learn the English language, that you were not part of this country. But today, there are um, corporations that are using Spanglish all the time in order to create their commercials. There are right. politicians that uh, give their speeches and priests and other re religious figures that use Spanglish. Spanglish for their sermons. And Spanglish is everywhere. Spanglish has become hip and hype and very attractive. And it is in Hollywood movies. It is in on radio. It is in literature. We have literature now in Spanglish that has to be translated into Spanish or into English to be fully understood if we want that. Um, and that means that there is a cultural dramatic cultural change. The gravitas is changing. Um, every single immigrant group that has come to the United States has mixed languages at some point. Right. For 10 years, for 15 years, there was something called Yinglish, Yiddish right. and English, or Chinglish, or Franglais. I heard um, that you have a great story about Don Francisco from Saudo Gigante, and a little bit about his influence on um, on Spanglish, and I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. I was invited a couple of times to be in Sabado Gigante or in the other shows that Don Francisco was in. Don Francisco is originally from Chile, and he is a Yiddish speaker, as I am. Hmm. And so when we met in the dressing room, we communicated in Yiddish with one another, and it was a pleasure, and it was both a, a surprising and, a, and curious, because a, there you have two Latin Americans, the result of immigration from Eastern Europe, uh, from different generations, using a neutral Yiddish, a hmm. Yiddish that uh, in and of itself is a middle ground of various uh, origins in uh, what, what, what used to be called the Pale of Settlement. And uh, in, in the conversation that I had with him in Yiddish, it became clear that Yiddish in and of itself is a form of Spanglish, is hmm. a mix of different languages, hmm. Hebrew and German, but also using Slavic elements and, and uh, then being contaminated, so to speak, with hmm. English. And and so then when I went on stage, he introduced me as the, the structure, the destroyer of the Spanish language oh, in, no. in a kind of humor, humorous <laughs> fashion because of my interest and my studies on Spanglish. And, and then went on to talk about his own passion for Spanglish and how this is a fixture and a feature of the United States. And then he allowed me to play with a certain words that I had only, by then I was putting together a dictionary of Spanglish that uh, used uh, colleagues all over the country and scholars and uh, interns and graduate students. And we had identified certain words that were only used in, in particular locations but had not jumped 
to other other spaces. And one of the missions of a dictionary is to be able to, or of a serious professional one, is to include words that are not invented all of a sudden by an individual, but can be replicated and can be can have have established their space. And so the idea was to use some of these words like washateria and mm-hmm. soquete um, that I had that we had seen in one particular region of the country in the show and see if they would have an impact in the other parts of the country. And they and it was fascinating. We used them and people immediately took to them and uh, it served as a wonderful opportunity to to uh, validate and to study the impact of television mm. in the Spanglish-speaking Latino community in the United States. I know that in my family, there's a lot of Hebrew and German integrated into the Spanish. But as a as the person inheriting that and not the native speaker of any of those languages, I didn't know. So, for instance, balagan is a word mm-hmm. in Hebrew, right? Right. Uh, means right. Cr- craziness, right? A- yeah, or, or, or mess. Right. But I thought it was in Spanish. So for a long time, I would just use it. Ay, que balagan. It's so mm-hmm. crazy here, you know. And I, when I was speaking to Spanish speakers who didn't have this integration or mi- mashup of languages, they had no idea what I was saying. And it yeah. took me many years to realize that. And I wonder <laughs> if you have any things that you didn't realize were, you know, Yiddish words uh, or even Polish or that, you know, that you were using in your Spanish in your Spanish and you're communicating day to day. Absolutely. That, yeah. I was I always used the word tujas to refer <laughs> oh, yeah. to the back, to the <laughs> yeah, to the bottom. Course. And the, my parents used it all the time. And it of means, course. you know, you're 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 behind. And I used it with my kids and my kids always thought that tujas was part of the English language. <laughs> and and the, when relating to other people they would say, Oh, I don't want to see your tujas, put your pants up. <laughs> And only until they started realizing that uh, all of us, that uh, you don't live with other Yiddish speakers or with the descendants of Yiddish speakers, did we? Did I remember trying to make it conscious that I needed to use uh, behind or or bot or whatever it is? But then you you sometimes once you've. Be, you become aware of that. You keep it because you want to have something distinctive in yeah. your language. And that happens with, in my case, with with accent. I remember coming to this country with a very limited English and feeling that even listening to my own voice on the voice message, the, the greetings, was very painful. It's like looking at myself in the mirror and hearing <laughs> how I was struggling with putting those syllables together. It was so awkward. And... And now that I've spent all this time in the United States and now that I feel that English is a home that feels mine, I don't want that awkwardness to fully disappear. And when somebody tells me they can still detect an accent, I can. I would like to, um, to amplify it, to, yeah. to make it even more. The other thing that I would like to tell you about this is that the toughest thing for me when learning English was certain expressions that I just couldn't understand. I remember hearing for the first time the expression a space cadet in, <laughs> in a conversation. And I knew what space meant and cadet, but I just couldn't understand what the, the two together. So I asked my wife and she said, you know, it's somebody who is, is not paying attention. And I was so proud to finally understand it. And next time in, a, in the middle of a conversation, I wanted to invoke space cadet 
but I knew the message and couldn't bring up the sentence, couldn't bring up the two words. So I said, something, something, cloudy commander. <laughs> and everybody was laughing. And to this day, some people, you know, refer to me as the cloudy commander. <laughs> That's so funny. This is so great. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for including me. Bye. Hasta luego. Que Hasta estés luego. Ilan Stevans is a professor of Latin American Studies at Amherst and the world's expert in Spanglish. Me fascina. That was so interesting. And I'd love to learn more about other mashup languages, like Kuringlish. If that's not a thing, I'm inventing it. Well, it's probably a thing. I mean, don't you speak Kuringlish at your house? That's true. Well, we have my two favorite words in Korean, which are popo and panku. What do those words mean? Well, popo is a kiss, so obviously we use that all the time. Like popo or popos and besitos. And then panku is just the cutest word ever in Korean, which is a little hole. Like, I got a panku in my sock. That's something we also say a lot at home. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Well, I'm sure we'll get more <laughs> Kuringlish on future podcasts. In the meantime, check out MashupAmericans.com for our tips on raising bilingual kids. A favorite, uh, give your kid a nickname in the second language. <laughs> Por ejemplo, Señor Calabaza. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the Mashup Americans are me, Amy Choi. And me, Rebecca Lehrer. Our show is produced by American Public Media and Southern California Public Radio, KPCC. We're also supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. CC, que te vayas bien. Annyeong. Baby, I'm addicted to you.